following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Hello. We are returning in our work to Second Timothy chapter 1 this morning. Uh, page 995 in a pew Bible. And we're going to focus on verses 6 and 7. Uh, but for context, we will go back to uh, verse 3 and re- re- read through verse 7. And then we pray, okay? Second Timothy 1, verse 3. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. I remember your tears. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your word We are grateful that these are your words, and they are spoken to us. Um, And the only problem is sometimes we don't understand what you are trying to say to us, or what you have said. So, Lord, we ask by the power of your Spirit, you would give us understanding this morning, that you would interpret your words to us, that uh, you would fill my mouth as I speak, uh, so that is you speaking, not me, that you might be glorified and we might be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We give you this time for your glory and our good in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hmm. Well, here is Paul. In his prison in Rome, a few weeks ago, I put a picture of the place where they uh, scholars believe he was held. It's a dank and wet hole in the ground, not a door with an electric sliding door or anything like that, and cable TV and college classes and anything you want, a hole or had to be lowered down, or maybe just shoved in, fall down into this hole. And here from this hole in the ground, Paul has been thinking about his young protege, Timothy. He remembers Timothy in his prayers, and as he prays for him, he is reminded of his tears. He's reminded of the faith of his grandmother and his mother, He is reminded of the sincere faith that dwells in him. 
And because he remembers all these wonderful things, he reminds Timothy of a more wonderful thing. He reminds him to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in him, and have the courage to put it to work appropriately. Hmm. Now, for our purposes here this morning, within this text, specifically verses 6 and 7, uh, there are some important things for us to address and some less important things for us to address. I'd like to get the less important things out of the way um, and, and then move on to more profitable things. Uh, first of all, Actually, really the only thing is this whole gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, I have to, to be honest, a lot of times when I come to Scripture and want to talk about it, there's sometimes questions that I can answer that no one is asking. (laughs) This is the great temptation of preaching. And sometimes when you sit through a sermon and say, what just happened to me? That's a lot of times just answers to questions you're not asking. So maybe this is it. You're never wondered, what do you mean the gift of God is given to you through the laying on of my hands? I'm take a chance. That's why I just hit it very briefly here. Scholars are divided as to when this event occurred, uh, Paul lay his hands on Timothy and given a gift of God. Uh, just as they, they are divided about that, just as they haven't been able to pinpoint that one time that Timothy cried so that Paul remembered his tears. Look, I'll read a books on this. It must have been when Timothy and Paul were separated at this point at this day. Like, are you kidding That's the only time Timothy ever cried in Paul's presence, so he remembers it that one time. That's a little silly to me. But you're not reading those books, so who cares? (laughs) Some scholars believe that Paul laid his hands on Timothy when he set him aside for ministry, like an ordination service, right? Um, And so a special gift from the Holy Spirit was given to him then at that time. Other scholars believe that Paul laid hands on Timothy when Timothy first came to faith in Christ and was given the the gift of the Holy Spirit and all the gifts that were designated by God for him at that moment. Now I ask you, is it important? I don't really think so. Not for our purposes here this morning. It's important so that scholars can write about things and sell books. I think, but we're not selling any books this morning. Not yet. But more important is the question of Paul's ability to hand out spiritual gifts. Did you wonder about that? Oh, who cares about when this time was? You're telling me that Paul could just like, whammo, and now you can raise the dead, right? Or whatever. Could Paul... As great as he was, really decide who gets what and go around passing out spiritual gifts like Christmas morning? 
No. 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 How do we know that? Because the Bible doesn't say he did. It's that simple. Uh, I will tell you a secret. There's a lot of uh, questions about what is right and wrong, what is true and not true in our day today. Um, and a great secret is when you rely on the word of God as the truth, and this is what determines what is right and wrong, and what is morally justified and what is not, you stand on an authority outside of yourself. You stand on the authority of God's word, which is written by God himself and preserved for these thousands of years for us to read. And it's exactly the same words as it was when it's first written. When you stand on that authority, is there really a decision to be made about what's right and wrong? When somebody comes and asks you, I, I really want to, um, I really have this, I have this neighbor and I hate them and I want to murder them. Is that okay? You can say, well, no. Well, how do you know? Well, I don't feel like that's the right thing to do. Do you want to trust your conscience in that way? I don't trust your conscience in that way. <laughs> I don't trust mine either, so I'm not left out. God's word says, no, can't do that. That's the simple truth. And when we stand on that, now these questions that are going around in our day and age, it's easy to answer. Well, it's simple to answer. Not always easy, because not everybody feels the same way about God's Word. The good thing about how you feel about God's Word doesn't matter. It's still true. Okay, that's a truth. There's a lot of things in there. I don't, you know, couldn't we maybe soften that a little bit? No. It doesn't matter how you feel about it. God's Word is true, so we can rely on it. That's not in your notes. So a little freebie there. So question is, could Paul go around passing out spiritual gifts? No, he could not, because the Bible does not describe Paul or anyone else doing that. So there's no precedent there in the scripture. The truth is that the Lord could have imparted special spiritual uh, gift to Timothy through a corn broom if he wanted to. He didn't have anything to do with Paul, but uh, he didn't. Uh, use a corn broom. Uh, as is normally the case, he used people uh, to do his work, not an inanimate object. So, I'm wondering if... Except Moses' staff. That was a stick. That's true. It turned into a snake, so it was animated. Oh. So I, I don't know. That's another discussion for another day. He could animate a corn broom, I guess, if he wanted. Might clean up the house a little bit. Anyway, all right. So <clears throat> now there are cases recorded in the book of Acts um, where people did not receive the Holy Spirit when they came to faith immediately. When they believe in Jesus, they did not receive the Holy Spirit immediately, but only after an apostle came and laid hands on them and prayed for them. Well, does that mean you have to have an apostle come and lay his hands on you and pray for you so that you can receive the Holy Spirit? I hope not, because they are all dead. They're a long time ago. That would make us in a lot of trouble. Well, there are other instances also recorded in the book of Acts where the Holy Spirit was given to people uh, without any apostolic involvement, and it was at the moment that they came to faith. 
which is how it happens now. People receive the Holy Spirit when they come to faith in Jesus. So the crux of the matter is not really when and how and through whom did Timothy receive this gift. The Holy Spirit, through Paul, was reminding him of his responsibility to use the gift, to stir up the embers, to fan into flame the gift of God. It also doesn't matter what that gift was. What was Timothy's gift? Was it healing? Was it teaching? Was it, I don't know. We don't know. And does it matter? Because the reminder is the same to us. To stir up the embers and fan into flame the gift of God that he's given to us. John Calvin wrote that Satan continually labors to extinguish all that is of God in us. And that's exactly what's going on in Timothy. Whatever gift he was giving, whether it was teaching or prophecy, whatever... Timothy had allowed it to kind of cool off. Now, Timothy had been called by God to a particular work. At the time that he received this letter, that work included looking after the church in Ephesus. Now, that's, again, I will remind you that that was not the one uh, white building with the pointy thing on the top in Ephesus. <laughs> And he was in charge of it. That's not how it worked. In the city of Ephesus, there were lots of groups that were all churches, groups of believers meeting across the city, and a city of a lot of people, hundreds of thousands of people. So it's not like Timothy's job is the same as my job. It's not that way. He was looking after a lot of churches, individual families, church families in Ephesus. And whatever the gift of God was that Timothy had been given so that he could do the work that God called him to do, that's how it works. God had given Timothy the gifts to do the work that God had called him to do. So does it matter what the gift was? Not not really. Not for our purposes today. We can know this is how spiritual gifts work. God gives you a task. And it gives you the resources to accomplish the task. It's that simple. One of my mentors, John Susi, likes to say, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. Do you you get that? No, there wasn't enough of a response. God's will, God's bill. What that means is that whenever the Lord desires to do something or desires something to be done, he provides all the resources necessary to do the work. Resources are not just money, but they are people, they are gifts, whatever is necessary to do the job. Okay? This is this is how spiritual gifts work. God gives a work to do and asks people to do it and we are all powerless to accomplish it. And he says, don't worry, I'll provide the power, you just show up. It wasn't Paul who gave Timothy whatever gifts that he had. It was God, the Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the same is true for us. And like Timothy, we have responsibility to keep using whatever gifts that we do have, whatever resources God has given given us to do the work that God has given us to do. 
I hesitate to give you my uh, personal experience. I used to talk good. (laughs) Now it's a lot harder than it used to be. And I praise God for the grace that you all exercise in working hard to understand what I'm saying. But God has not released me from the work. And so whatever whatever words you're hearing, I don't know. <laughs> I often wonder. But it's the Holy Spirit that instructs us. And I am not the only person that works that way for. Uh, <laughs> that right for for which it works. See what I mean? Yeah, it's the Holy Spirit interpreted for me. Thank you. It works the same way for all of us. It doesn't matter what you think you can do, what abilities you think you have or don't have. What matters is that you're willing to show up. And God will do the work through you. We show up, say, Lord, whatever it is, I'm willing. And stay out of his way, and he will do it through us. It's a wonderful thing. So I want, I say that because I want to take pressure off of you. Uh, have you ever taken a spiritual gifts inventory? Like, it's like the SATs, and you fill out all the little circles, and answer all the questions, and when they're done, you, you sweep all of those answers into a pile, and they say, well, you clearly have the gift of prophecy. I what? I have the, you clearly have the gift of healing. Huh? This is, I'm unfortunately not helpful for the church because now we feel like I must be a prophet then, I guess. So, once your fortune told, come talk to me. I'll tell you all about what you're having for breakfast tomorrow morning. This is not how spiritual gifts work. I'm afraid that there are too many people that think my gift is X, and so I carry that gift around with me, whatever it happens to be, and so I must be involved in every situation where it requires that gift. All right? There's some people say, I have the gift of healing. Okay, why are you here? Go to the hospital. There are a lot of sick people. Go fix them. But that's not how it works. If God wants someone to be healed in a miraculous way, like I said before, he could use a corn broom to do it. He doesn't need you, exactly. But if we are willing, we can be a hammer or a wrench in the hand of the Lord. That's how it works. The spiritual gift doesn't live in you. The Holy Spirit lives in you. And he has all the power in all the gifts. You're just like a taxi, okay? Show up and let him out and let him work. I don't mean to, I'm sorry to make light of this, but I want you to understand. That was none. I don't know what I was talking about. I guess it doesn't matter. All right, sermon over. Let's close in prayer. I get, I get to save this one for next week. It wasn't Paul who gave Timothy the gifts. It was God through the Spirit. The same is true for us. Like Timothy, we have the responsibility to keep using whatever gifts we do have to be available to be used in whatever situation God calls us to and whatever resources is needed to do the job God will provide them. 
Paul was reminding Timothy of the sincere faith that he had because it takes faith to exercise the gifts that he and we have been given. It takes faith to show up. Now, faith is not just believing that God exists, but it's trusting Him. If He's directing, trusting His Word. If He's telling you to go, trusting that He's got work to be done and wants to use you. That's faith. Warren Wiersbe wrote, Talent, training, and experience cannot take the place of the power of the Spirit. Do you hear that? It doesn't matter how many PhDs you have, how educated you might be, or how talented and gifted you are. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, you're just a wrench in a drawer. I would also add that no lack of talent, training, or experience can stop the Spirit from working through you. Oh, I can't, I can't speak. I can't share the gospel. I wouldn't know what to say. I don't have all the training necessary to share the gospel. (laughs) Really? No. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Our kids can sing that. It's all the training necessary. We share the story that we have. I used to think that way. I want, can I tell you another secret? This time for true confessions. I, I'm an ordained minister, right? That's not the secret. I don't, I don't hang that piece of paper up on the wall, but it's no secret. Anyway, I don't have a college degree. I don't even have an associate's degree. I am, I'm a machinist, everybody. And actually, I'm not even, I'm a machine operator. Just press a button, the machine works. That's my training. Now, it's not, I don't have this job because I'm terrific at speaking. I don't do this work because of all the education and experience that I have. I don't know why I have this job. <laughs> but God does. And he is the one that put me here to do this. Okay? Uh, <laughs> thank you. But, well, it's okay most of the time. You're right. No lack of talent or training or experience or education can stop the Spirit from working. The only thing that will stop the Spirit from working in you is your unwillingness to participate. If it's God's will, it's God's bill. But we have to be willing and available. Now, Timothy, I think Timothy struggled with this. Timothy had a particular problem. He had a particular character flaw, I guess, that you could call it that, that was keeping him from doing all that God wanted him to do, all that he was called to do, and he needed some encouragement to overcome it. Do you know what it was, what that character flaw was? It's fear. Timothy was afraid. He was timid. The Greek word where Paul says we're not given a spirit of fear, 
which he's confronting Timothy's shortcoming here, that Greek word means cowardice or timidity. Timothy was afraid to do whatever it was that God was asking him to do. Now, it's a good thing we never struggle with that. Uh, we're, we're always brave, right? Yeah, sure. Fear keeps our mouths shut. Fear keeps our, our uh, phone in our pocket not to make a call. Fear keeps us from showing up at someone's house for whatever reason to minister to them. Fear keeps us from sharing the wonderful truth of Jesus' love with our neighbors and friends. And Timothy was afraid to speak up, afraid to speak out. He was afraid to do what God called him to do. Now I'll tell you another powerful truth this morning. Fear does not come from God. Fear does not come from God. Now to be clear, this is different from the fear of God from the Old Testament. Like it says in Proverbs 1-7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's a different word. It's not terror, it's not cowardice, and it's not timidity. That's a word that means awe and respect, a holy fear. And that is not the fear that Paul is writing to Timothy about. It's not certainly not Paul's awe and respect of God that kept him from doing whatever it was that God called him to do. The kind of fear that Paul is warning against is the feeling of powerlessness. But we have not been given a spirit of powerlessness and fear. We don't need to panic and tremble with anxiety and worry. When we are plagued with those feelings, which I'm sure happen more often than we'd like to admit, we can know with certainty that those feelings are not from the Lord. They are weapons of the enemy. In our responses telling, I'm reminded of Peter and John in the book of Acts, where they were preaching the gospel and people coming to faith, and the Jewish leaders send the guards out there and said, grab those guys and bring them in here. And they told them, don't preach this name anymore. Don't talk about Jesus anymore. And they're like, uh, we're, we're going to obey God, not you. So sorry. Um, and when they saw, they, the leaders saw they could not gain anything. They couldn't get them to stop. They just said, all right, just stop it. And then they beat them and threw them out. Now, Peter and John had a particular response. Oh, I can't believe we got beat up by the Pharisees again. Where? That's not what they did. They didn't feel sorry for themselves. Oh, I can't believe it. They hate us. Everybody hates us. We should do what they say. We should just be quiet and go back to fishing. They didn't say that either. They praised the Lord for being counted as worthy of being persecuted for the name of Jesus Christ. Now, let's do a little translation for ourselves then. 
when we are plagued with fear and worry and anxiety, does not come from inside of us, but it comes from the enemy. And what's he trying to do to you? He's trying to shut you up. He's trying to stop you from working. He's trying to get you to turn away from the Lord because it's not worth it. Now, how do you respond? Oh, woe is me, I'm getting picked on again. Or do you praise God for being counted as worthy of being persecuted for the name of Jesus Christ? I think that might change our response if we start to think that way. Start to panic. Start to get all stirred up. Thank you, Lord. He's trying to stop me again, and I'm not going to. And keep on going. I'm sorry, not sticky two notes. Very good. This would be a long sermon. Not now. uh Okay. Here's the words a thing should give you comfort. Verse 7. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, not of cowardice, not of timidity, but of power and love and self-control. The spirit that dwells within every believer, every Christ follower, the Holy Spirit, gives all the power that we need to live and move and have our being. Everything we need to do the work we've been given Breathing in and out, that comes from the power of God. He gives us power, just as he gave Timothy power, just as he gave Paul power, not only to do the work that God had called them to do and the work that he calls us to do, whether it's to bring the gospel to the Gentile world or look after all the churches in a huge city or to share the gospel with our friends and families, He not only gave and continues to give the power to do those things, but he also gives each believer the power to say no to sin and say yes to God. Now, I think it's easy to dwell on what my spiritual gifts are. What am I built to do? And not to think so much about the fact that we have, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the power to say no to sin. Maybe that's something we need to exercise a little more. Well, maybe just me. I'm sure you guys are all fine. <laughs> because by faith alone in Christ alone, the Holy Spirit lives in us, we have the power to obey God's word. We have the power to resist temptation, and we have the power to speak truth where and when the Holy Spirit gives us opportunity. Now, I'm sure that this past week, you all have appreciated the work of the snowplows out there. I know I have. But no matter how big the plow truck, no matter how wide the blade, or how salty the sand, or how skillful the driver, the plow trucks are powerless to do anything without the fuel. They cannot do what they are designed to do without any gas or any diesel in the tank. I have just described to you the church. Well, look at all of us. Look around. There's a whole bunch of people here. What could we do? 
we can't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit, right? And those of us who have professed faith in Christ have the Holy Spirit. So we have the fuel. We just got to be willing to pull the truck out of the barn. So let's do that. Okay. This is how it works in people. A person may be the most gifted and talented person the world has ever known. Their charisma may be unmatched. Their education unequaled in the world. But, that, but without the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, through faith in Jesus Christ, whatever work they may accomplish is nothing in the eyes of eternity. It will have no lasting eternal value. But power alone was not the solution to Timothy's problem. He may have been able to overcome his fear with the Holy Spirit's help. He may have been motivated to reignite his gifts. But power that is not tempered by love and self-control or sober-mindedness turns to fanatical fury and rage. If all there is is power, unlimited power, you become the emperor in Star Wars and start zapping people, and they die. That's not, he was not a good guy. Any, nobody's seen that movie, so, okay. <laughs> we may overcome our fears by the power of the Spirit, and we may have the courage to speak the truth. But if we do not speak the truth in love, we end up doing more harm than good. Speaking the truth in love has an eye on building others up, not proving others wrong. So stop arguing on the internet. You can't do it in love. It's impossible. You might think you're doing it in love, but nobody see your face or hear the sound of your voice or see the love in your eyes. All they hear is, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, and I'm right, so get over it. And you won't be okay until you agree with me. This is the purpose of the Internet, and it's stupid. Except for fantasy football, <laughs> which I'm winning, by the way, for now. <laughs> Ephesians 4, 15, and 16 says, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held, held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Love tempers our truth-telling. I love the way Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 13.1. This is not just for weddings, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> he says, If I speak in the tongue of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Do you ever think about that? You're just make a lot of noise if you're not speaking the truth in love. You may be speaking the truth, but it's just hurting the ears of those who hear it. If you're not motivated by love for God and love for your neighbor, it won't matter how accurate your words are. We are not given a spirit of fear, but of power and love, and also self-control. Self-control. This is 
spirit-given sober-mindedness and discipline. These are what uh, gave Timothy and gives us an opportunity to set an example in speech, in conduct, in love, and faith, and purity. With the Spirit's help, we are able to overcome the temptation to lash out at people when we feel like we've been wronged. With the Spirit's help, we are able to endure opposition and even persecution. I'd go so far as to say that it's only with the Spirit's help that we are able to overcome those things. It's only with the Spirit's help that we are able to say no to sin and yes to obedience. It is only the Spirit that can give us freedom from fear and to fill us with power and love and self-control. But we have to answer the question, do we have enough faith to let him do those things? Do we have the faith to fan our own gifts into flame? Are we willing to be used by God? Do we have the faith to ask the Holy Spirit to use us in whatever way he chooses? That takes faith because buckle up, buttercup. You never know where God's going to bring you. Do you have faith in Jesus Christ so that you too can be filled with the Holy Spirit and used for his work? The simple solution is all we have to do is ask. Ask for forgiveness. We can ask to be used. We can ask to be filled. And he will answer. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that enables us and empowers us to live for you, to be put to work for your cause. We thank you, Lord, for your word that instructs us and the spirit that brings those words to life. I pray that we as a church family would continually fan into flame the gift of God that is in us. To not be afraid, to not be timid or cowardly, but to be bold and step out in faith, to speak the truth in love, to say no to sin, to be self-controlled and disciplined so that our lives may be exemplary and people will see that there is a different spirit in us than is in the world. Lord, I pray if any here do not have faith in Jesus, have not asked you to forgive them and be their Savior and Lord, I pray they simply just ask you, please, Lord, forgive me. Fill me with your Spirit. I give my life to you. Father, what a simple but profound truth that you love us so much that you gave your Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life together with you in your kingdom. Lord, keep us working until that day comes. May we be diligent about your work, filled with your spirit and empowered by him to do it. We love you, Lord, and thank you. 
in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.